0: everyone if you're just joining us <laughs> this is Stewart and his very professional podcast
1: so lauren ansley is kind of making fun of me because i did a dumb thing i did not press the red record button twice when we sat down on the parkway to to chat and so i had to ask her the first couple of questions again and so she she laughed at me and she's a professional comic and i'm I'm the foil. I'm the straight guy in that. And uh, no less than the great, great, great radio legend, Studs Terkel, has been known to forget to press the record button. Makes me no less professional. I'll just keep telling myself that. And you keep telling yourself that when you hear the wonderful, the amazing Lauren
0: Ensley. I actually went back to school and I got my MBA and I met a man and I fell in love and I got engaged. I'm kidding, none of that happened. I was just sad for three (laughs) years.
2: This is In Her Words, a podcast from ManListening.com, featuring one man listening to the stories of real women in their own words. In Her Words, a conversation worth hearing because every woman deserves to be heard.
1: Well, hello there. I'm Stuart Watson, and welcome to In Her Words, the podcast. I gotta tell you something. My wife and I got a puppy today, and it's a cute puppy. Oh, my word, is it cute. It's another Westie, another West Highland White Terrier. And we just, we have puppy dust all over us, and we can't think of anything else, but I'm gonna try to think about the podcast. So I did put a picture of Prince Pippin. Pippin is the new Westie, the first one not to be named for a character from It's a Wonderful Life, if anybody knows me. The first three, George Bailey, Clarence Oddbody, the Angel, second class, and also Zuzu of Zuzu's Petals were all from It's a Wonderful Life. Now we're going to Broadway uh, with Pippin. My wife was in a community production of Pippin a million years ago at Vanderbilt. So anyway. On to this guest who's all about joy and bringing joy, kind of like Pippin, into your life through comedy because she believes people need to laugh more. And now she's moved from the stand up mic to producing and orchestrating uh, events that make corporate gatherings A, not boring, B, memorable, and C, genuine bonding community experiences by making them entertaining. And she talks about that a little bit. And I was just privileged and pleased to talk to her, even though I had to ask the first several questions more than once, okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Lauren Ansley. Where were you born?
0: You started that's just like you started the first time when you were recording. Just dive right in. Stuart, I was born in a hospital in Concord, Massachusetts.
1: What if anything did your mother tell you about her pregnancy, labor, and delivery <laughs> with you?
0: I feel like I've already answered this. Uh, <laughs> so I was born in the early afternoon. My dad forgot the film and the camera, which then my sister, my older sister, later told me that's because I was adopted. So you know, your older sister. I was speaking, adopted. Yeah. So. They like to like tease you and stuff and tell you things that aren't true, but whatever. Um, Nothing. A little therapy can't solve them right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> so So, um, I I don't remember much. I don't think it was that dramatic or anything. I do know that she had a much e- well, no, no, no. She had a difficult pregnancy with me. I was her second kid, second of two, and she could not breathe out of her nostrils for a very good long portion of it. To the point, she actually got addicted to nose spray, and then she had to quit because it was. It was just was it not allergies
1: good for it.
0: was it It was pregnancy it was me just being a jerk and not letting her breathe so and she had a lot of nausea No how sit on could the couch. Your, a
1: pregnancy interfere with your ability to breathe through your nose
0: I don't know there's a That's... lot of different things that happen with pregnancy
1: So they could they could they could like you could like you were like kicking on a nerve really or something. I have long
0: fingers, I have really long fingers. And you were choking I just, her, I just stuck it up in her nose and she couldn't breathe. I don't know, I don't know. There's a lot of things I can't explain about
1: different so things. The, the only reason I ask these is do you know or did you get the sense if you were planned? <laughs> Have you ever gotten any kind of clues, like, "Oh, honey, of course you were planned"?
0: Yeah, she wanted me, but she did think I was a boy because I was I was positioned differently. So I was a pr- surprised when I was came out a girl because I was going to be William. That was my name. Surprise. Well,
1: be glad you're not Wilhelmina.
0: <laughs> I mean, because
1: there are those. I apologize
0: know. to all the Wilhelminas listening to this <laughs> podcast. This was not a. Stewart said that I did not. <laughs>
1: I mean, how large is the Wilhelmina demographic anyway? could be huge. I know a
0: Wilhelmina. Do I? No, I don't know a Wilhelmina. I know somebody with a similar name. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But you know, that's the way it works. (laughs) That's the way it works. So, was your dad or your mom like a little disappointed you were not a
0: boy? (laughs) Did they like (laughs) dress you up? They never admitted that to me.
1: Was there early gender confusion because of?
0: No. No, I don't think so. Um, no, my mom actually wanted two girls, but she thought I was a boy because I was, I guess I was carrying lower or different than my sister. And I don't think my dad really had a preference either way.
1: Cool. Mm-hmm. Is your father still with us? Is he? <laughs> no, I mean, is no, he no, alive? Not here. Is your no. father? Yes, he
0: is. So my parents divorced when I was really young. I was two and a half. And so my dad moved back to Georgia, which is where he's from. What part? Atlanta. Okay. That's then not then really
1: I... Georgia. You know that. Atlanta's like, not Georgia. Like it's Charlotte right is middle. not North Carolina.
0: <laughs> it's like a Mecca in it. It's, um, it's, it's an island. Yeah. So he moved back to Atlanta. My mom moved back to Spartanburg. And that's where my sister and I were raised with Spartanburg, South Carolina. saw so my dad pretty often, as regularly as he could make the trip, he was very active in our lives. Come up cool. to a lot of my basketball games and stuff when I was a kid.
1: And did your parents get along or did you have to put away the cutlery? Uh.
0: <laughs> um, they, it was a good thing they got divorced they were not compatible uh they are kind of indifferent towards each other now but they were they were cordial you know like for my graduation for my sister's graduation they came they had a nice friendly meal at the holidays when my dad would come pick us up like a christmas morning um mom would let us open up gifts at the house so they were she was very very respectful making sure that she didn't say anything negative about him and um just let us have that relationship she never like held us ransom against him or anything so they I think they did the best they could with the situation mm-hmm. which is not easy you No, know, but
1: yeah uh, did your mom remarry
0: no my dad did but my mom did not remarry you know she's actually she's uh what time is it I think she had a lunch date today so I'm gonna have oh. to find out she's doing the online dating thing now you know so I have to find out how that went
1: what service
0: well, she was using a sketchy Sketcherson service, but now I talked her into going on to Our Time, which is a more, it's a for 55 plus, I think, for senior huh. people to date. Have so. you
1: ever used one of those online? I'm
0: so. not 55 plus, though. So. No, but I mean, have you ever used <laughs> oh, any yeah. of them? Oh, yeah. absolutely.
1: And what's and your take? Because these happened after me. I'm like very near yeah. dead.
0: <laughs> You're getting around great. You look great for being almost dead. Cadaver. <laughs> compared You're so cadaver. To other. Oh, cadaver. That's funny. I'm going to have to put that on my set.
1: You do, you do it.
0: <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So the, so the experience is interesting. So for a while, yes, and you can meet some very interesting people, but you have to be extremely selective because at the end of the day, these are strangers that you essentially have nothing in common with that you probably would have not met. Otherwise, you would have met them in person. So you have to be very careful, very selective. And you can kiss a lot of frogs before you find a frog prince that you think is a prince It's still a frog. And then you throw them back and then you keep going back on. I would. I got to the point where I, I did meet some pretty decent people. And I have a lot of comedy material about online dating, too. Have
1: you done a lot of it? Online dating? No, I've done a lot of the material.
0: Um. Yeah, a little bit. It's a pretty common kind of concept so i have some but it's not a whole lot because a little goes a long way
1: so what's a red flag word you know like in the real estate world there's certain little red flag words that you look out for
0: that tell you something about the person yeah
1: that tell you that this guy's a big liar
0: oh yeah so um well i think negativity is the negative reading of the profile like if you're I'm not looking for this and don't come at me for that. Like if it's very negative wording, Mm -hmm. it shows that they have issues. Or I'm not looking for a woman with drama. It's like, well, you are the drama. You know, you bring
1: the drama. Yeah,
0: I don't want a woman with daddy issues. Well, guess what? They're daddy issues because a daddy abandoned her, which is a man, which, you know, come on. So, um, yeah, I would say a lot of negativity or um, a lot of group pictures when you're not sure which one it is that's a red flag anyone any guy holding a dead animal that's a red flag um, any men in pictures whatsoever just men in general it's a red flag i'm kidding kind of
1: you mean that they have other men like no i mean me just me and my
0: men in general are red flags oh like you are a walking red flag i'm kind of surprised that i'm here talking to you right now
1: are you serious <laughs>
0: Well, there are women <laughs> who, like, hate
1: men. You didn't say yes right away. No, no,
0: no. No, I don't hate men. Um, I, You're assuming, I guess we're... There's really
1: good God, reasons assuming, but... to hate men. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I and mean, if you didn't want to talk to me, that's, you
0: know... No, I'm kidding. I have, I have actually become a little bit more of a feminist as I've gotten older.
1: What does than, that mean?
0: Well, you know what feminism is?
1: I know that people use that word in a lot of different ways. I want to know what yes. you mean. So, my
0: by definition that. that's fair. My definition of feminism is equality, huh. just being equity, you know, um, just treating with fairness and not being considered lesser than, but being equal to or equitable. I mean, you know, like traditionally men have more testosterone than women, so you have more upper body strength than I do, unless I was like training a whole lot and you weren't. So some things are going to be easier for you than for me, but there's also going to be some things that, and this of course is just in general, stereotypical gender norms. There's going to be things that I'm better at than you because I'm just wired that way. It might be more like empathy or things like that. So, um, it's a matter of not seeing us as, I mean, I'm not going to be your physical equal. I'm not going to be able to pick up as much weight as you can pick up, but, don't don't equitable don't judge let's just let's try I'm what really is something old. heavy we can pick up I'm right like,
1: you see that giant boulder <laughs> over there
0: yeah you try to pick it up first <laughs> and then we'll go from there
1: uh, yeah
0: did that answer your question though just um um well it, let me put it to you this yeah, way okay
1: who's the best man you've ever met like a Grandpa or uh, uncle oh,
0: yes, or, uh... my grandfather, my mom's dad was he was a Renaissance man. He was kind and funny and quick to anger that was one thing that was the kind of a fault but he could also turn it into something funny. He had a word a, word, a, ugh, a wood shop and he took, taught us how to fish and he was a golfer and he was a doctor and he was very smart and very compassionate and very kind. And there was—I want to tell a quick little story about an example. Tell a long story. An example of the anger. So, very, if it's a good
1: man, I want to hear this. Oh yeah,
0: very good man. So uh, he and my grandmother had a very sweet romance, and turns out they both had, as kids, gone to Montreat, North Carolina, which is this conference center place that a lot of homes and there's like clubs where kids can go, like day camp stuff.
1: A lot of Jesus. Yeah, a lot of Jesus. Billy Graham and a lot of Jesus. A lot of Jesus. In in that order.
0: Presbyterian. Yeah, Um, conference center. I remember. And we went there. Did you go? Have you been to my? No, I haven't. You have heard of it?
1: I, I'm Jesus adjacent. But go, go ahead.
0: (laughs) Okay, so we would go up there every summer, and turns out that my grandfather and my grandmother, when they were both kids, they had never met, but they were both going up there. So they talked about maybe they were rock hopping at the same time, in the creeks. But anyway, so they take us up there every summer. So there were seven kids and seven adults, and the kids called us all the cousins. And it was my grandfather and his wife and their three kids and then their offspring, which were seven of us. So seven adults, seven kids. And all the kids, all the cousins, we were in the kitchen and we were making a lot of noise. We were just talking. You're probably eating something, you know, just chit-chatting at the kitchen counter. My grandfather was responsible for dinner because we'd always rotate who was making dinner. So he comes into the kitchen. He's trying to check what's in the oven and he's getting frustrated because we're all loud and we're not listening to him because we can't hear him because we're all just talking and he's getting frustrated that we're in the way. So he goes, "Children, get out of the chicken." And we all froze and looked at him and he realized what he said. He meant kitchen. He said chicken and he busted out laughing and we busted out laughing and it just cut the tension. And it's one of my favorite memories of him and it's just a little quick little vignette, but he he was like he's was the guy that I would aspire to date or to how, i think like the epitome of what i think would be the ideal guy
1: did you get married no Mm-mm. did I, you ever get close
0: i'm currently close i'm currently oh. close i'm actually dating a guy right now
1: how long have you been dating i don't
0: know how long this, how long is it going to be for this podcast to go out <laughs> i mean if this is going out in a few months do we need months, to rush it
1: do we need to put it out today <laughs> we'll, we'll revisit we edit it.
0: this part out if we break think, up do but, you think it's
1: going to curse you? I've talked to multiple <laughs> couples that have since. But it's just
0: very new. We've known each other for years, but uh, we've, we're in a new relationship and it is going very well. And, and
1: what turned it into a relationship?
0: His divorce. <laughs> <laughs> and were you somehow responsible? Oh, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, no, we were friends because we know each other from the biz, from being in comedy together. And we've we've actually known each other for five years. He's and a
1: comic, or she was a comic.
0: He is a comedian and also a show producer, like me. Wow! And uh, it did not occur to me because he was married. I, I, you know, hung out with him and his family several times. You know, He's, Mark
1: Marin makes a big deal about comic versus comedian. I think he oh, thinks yeah. comedian is like pretentious or something.
0: Oh. Yeah, but you
1: say comedian and producer. What does a producer do? That means
0: somebody who who hosts and and produces shows and and, like gets people together, like the event planner. Yeah, puts it all together,
1: produces the entertainment. Yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so he's. I've actually told him that he reminds me in a non weird way of my grandfather. Because he's very handy. He's got like man hands, and he's like a bigger, tall guy. Um, And I'm a tall, bigger lady. So it's not like I want to be with like this little shrimpy guy. You know, like I want to be a man's man with a man's man, and that's what he is. And he's very kind, and he has kids and and grandkids. I'm dating grandfather. It's crazy. He's a little older than me, and just thoughtful and sweet and like so emotionally evolved and. Available and funny and he's great edit this part out if we break up, please, but he's great He's great and he reminds me of my grandfather again in a non-creepy way
1: Why in the world would you ever break up?
0: I don't know people break up.
1: Yeah people break up. Yeah but usually Do you think think that I'm gonna keep saying comic because it's shorter? That's fine. Do you think that comics have to be these damaged, broken people who are horribly, you know, psychologically disturbed?
0: (laughs) It helps. (laughs) Because you see the world in a different way. You You do not strike me as
1: terribly damaged and broken. Well,
0: comedy is tragedy plus time. So tragedy plus time equals comedy. So, So what's
1: your big tragedy?
0: Well, it's also like trauma. And it's also the way you look at things. So I think some... It, hel- it does certainly helps, but I think that um, the biggest thing, when it comes in, from my point of view, from stand-up comedy or really any entertainer, is you realize that there needs to be more joy in the world. There needs to be—you can poke fun at things that are less funny in a traditional way once you have some distance from it. It helps you process. So, and it also is a common denominator. People love to laugh, and they love the human condition. They love relatable humor, things that they can identify with. So. I don't necessarily have, I mean I do have trauma, I, um, that's, a whole other, that's a whole other podcast, that's not this podcast, um, but n- not as much as other people, which I feel very fortunate about.
1: Do you use, there's no such thing as capital T trauma and small t trauma. Mm. Um, have you used your trauma in your material at all?
0: Oh, that's a good question uh yes but i still feel like i'm still scratching the surface so there's this concept of finding your quote voice in comedy mm-hmm. and that's where you it's like you're talking in the kitchen to friends you're telling your story like you're talking to people that you've known forever and there's no you're not worried you were you are willing to be more vulnerable and when i first started my comedy was very superficial it was it's telling stories about what happened but it wasn't talking about myself necessarily. And now I'm much more, much more open and vulnerable, but I'm still, there's still a lot to go.
1: Female comics who kind of figured something out, who, like who, what did you figure out and what, like, what are you helping these women figure out?
0: Yeah. So what I figured out is I sell a lot of tickets for comedy shows. Most of the people buying the tickets are women. The, the crowds are half women. So if a man gets up on stage and it's dude, 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 talking about their perspective, their experience, when I get up on stage, it's a breath of fresh air. Oh, finally, somebody we can really identify with. Or like there's just a different perspective that women have that men don't have. I mean, same, like there's a perspective you have that I don't have. And part of it is because of well, your experience as well, a de-
1: define the women's, like the women's perspective like what's a woman's perspective well
0: her her perspective is going to be more different from uh, in dating than a man's because stereotypically it's like well what are men afraid of on an online date um women laughing at them or them, the women not looking like their picture or not laughing at them or not thinking they're funnier or being rejected and women are worried about being killed it's a very different experience you are not worried about dying going to a blind date a woman may very well be murdered. You know, it's kind of become a cliched joke, but it's true. There's less danger for men walking across a dark parking lot than a woman. You may, you may get hurt, you may um, get robbed, but women, you know, could, it could be worse. I don't even do stand-up that much anymore, honestly. I do more just entertainment with my corporate entertainment business.
1: What's the difference?
0: So the corporate entertainment you have to be so careful when it comes to stand-up comedy because there's so many people who have a lot of different sensitivities a lot of different backgrounds and when you're at work you are not signing up to go to a comedy show yeah corporate comedy is difficult there are a lot of amazing corporate comedians but what i find is i incorporate humor into other things like into the entertainment aspect like into the announcements if i'm seeing a gig or a meeting or the icebreakers, or I, just, I know how to add some fun. I have a keynote that talks about my experience in comedy, and I do tell some of my jokes, but they're the safer jokes. I'm not trying to offend anyone in any time I do stand-up, but comedy in corporate is way different than comedy at a club.
1: Okay, give me an example of a safe joke.
0: Okay, so um, so I have this keynote where I talk about the funny thing about perseverance. And I talk about my story, my background in stand-up, and I tell the story that I performed stand-up comedy. I took a class and I was amazing and I was the valedictorian of the class. And I can tell you that because no one else from my class was here. And so then I performed and it was amazing and I knew I was gonna be a star and the very next time I performed stand-up comedy, I bombed and I quit for three years. And during that time, I actually went back to school and I got my MBA and I met a man and I fell in love and I got engaged. I'm kidding. None of that happened. I was just sad for three (laughs) years. So that is a safe, suitable for corporate story. And that's funny. Yeah, it's funny. You can be funny and clean. It's harder to be funny and clean. I encourage my students to be funny and clean. Um... But usually in corporate they're gonna want you to have some type of message uplifting. You can also be entertaining, but they typically want there to be some kind of uplifting message.
1: But let me tell you something. You've you've hit upon it. Um, Failure is a lot funnier than success.
0: Oh yeah, that's why the super rich billionaire people aren't doing stand-up comedy. Because what are they supposed to talk about? Because tragedy plus time equals comedy. It's not success plus time equals comedy. You have to deal through the difficult stuff. I did not enjoy the embarrassment that I felt in that moment. And the truth is when I quote unquote bombed on stage, I didn't bomb, but I felt like I did. And it was embarrassing. And from the embarrassing situation, I've turned that into a joke. And it also helps you deal with it too. Deal with the hurt. So yeah, that's why it's the funny, the funny part comes from the tragedy. Trauma can be funny when you get enough distance from it.
1: So, what you're telling me is, humor can be a critical part of resilience. Because once you're able to laugh at it.
0: Yes, you can reframe those emotions. Like we were talking about scarcity versus abundance. You can talk about tragedy versus comedy. You can talk about this funny thing happened. The tragedy of the online dating stories that so many of us have can make it funny because we just we flip the script we kind of reframe what happened i have a my comedy class graduation video it's on youtube you can google it you can find it on youtube um but it's a tell about an online dating story that was very scary it was a little murdery and i got through it thankfully and, and that actually happened quite a while before i took, told it on stage but it became funnier as i told it because i was like well this is just what happened but then i turned it into you know, you, do, you take some creative license and you turn it into something really funny.
1: Okay. So we talked about the best man you've met. What are historically feminine traits that men could very much benefit from? Like, what is a noble or sacred feminine trait? What is the noblest or?
0: Hmm. Well, I think a trait would be emotional intelligence. And one of the traits within that would be empathy. To be able to consider somebody else's feelings and um, not just your own, and approach it from someone else's perspective and kind of understand where they're coming from and why they may be behaving a certain way, not to excuse it, but to kind of explain it and to realize that it's not a negative reflection of you. It's, pr- it's probably because of something they're doing or they're, they've experienced. Like they say that a question is really a statement wrapped up guys as a question like hey do you want to go to dinner tonight that's saying I want to go to dinner with you do you want to go to dinner instead of um, just having a kind of a lack of empathy um, that's a big one I think emotional I mean being vulnerable too that's a big one that I don't think men are traditionally conditioned to be
1: what's your mother's most noble things what are the best mm. things she modeled for you the best of her
0: Oh wow, that's so good. I'm really close with my mom. Um, oh, where do I start? Let's see. Um, she was very resilient. She.
1: I mean, after the divorce, or was it something Yes,
0: else? yes. So, she just—I mean, the—you know—without going into all the detail of, of what happened, the fact that she decided that she wanted a divorce at that time was very was still taboo it was early 80s and which is a lot longer (laughs) way than it sounds like but um yeah to power through to make I mean with two young kids a five-year-old and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old to make that decision to know she could do it and to not ever feel sorry for herself to just this is this is what it is. This is the choice that I'm making, and here's where we are. And absolutely being resilient and persevering. And um, you know, back in that day, in those days, her plan was she went, she got a master's, she was a speech therapist, but that was to fall back on after being a housewife, you know. But she ended up needing it and using it, and then she became the lead therapist of her district and worked for the um, for the school system for her whole career and um is living off of her own retirement that she got from this job so it wasn't necessary to be the housewife and to you know her reality just changed and she just changed with it she rolled with the punches she's had some medical issues and she's like okay well i'll take care of it she's never been a woe with me feeling sorry for herself she's just adapted amazingly
1: so you were never out there looking for a man to take care of you never
0: never so this guy that I'm seeing now um, first of all it's a miracle I'm even in a relationship because I'm more not than in more out than in but he said um, one thing that he likes about me is I'm not I don't need him
1: I want him yeah yeah
0: I want to be successful in my own right I don't want to rely on anybody else I want to do it for myself. I'm doing it for myself.
1: Not the plus one. Yeah. I like that. Yep. Um
0: I'll be a plus one. I'll support, but I don't want to rely on somebody else to that for my entire life. You know, that's just not how I am.
1: Um What did your sister What did you learn from your sister? What are the best attributes.
0: Well, she is an engineer and she's very book smart and very technically smart. And I think what I learned from her is I am not that. (laughs) We're very different.
1: (laughs) You have your own values. Yeah. You have your own
0: Yeah. And that that's okay.
1: Yeah, you Um, don't have to compare.
0: Yeah, so I've I I'm not jealous of my sister. We've led different different lives. You know, she's married and has a kid and has a profession and I am not married I don't have any children and I don't know what I want to be when I grow up <laughs> but I'm on You've my way. you got your
1: profession you're an yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah
0: but I never thought I never thought of that that's where I'm the black sheep of the family because that that's not at least on my mom's side that's not something anybody ever did it was you have a profession you go to school for it everybody goes to college very very privileged that way then everybody has their profession and that's what you do for the rest of your professional career. It's not you quit your job and sell your house and start your own comedy production company full-time. <laughs> you know, that you don't do that. That's not done.
1: You've hemmed me in a box here.
0: <laughs>
1: and that box is, you won't talk about trauma. And, but when I talk about comedy, as a way of talking about you as a human being, you're like, oh, I thought you were supposed to listen to me. <laughs>
0: I've also said twice now, I don't even do stand-up comedy that much anymore. Yeah, which and was I, kind of a little nudge, nudge, like we can change the subject. But wow. it is such a fascinating topic, it really is. But if I don't think you heard me, <laughs> Stuart is currently facing the Greenway, looking for Lauren and sighing to himself.
1: What? Um, what do you do now? What do you mean? You don't do stand-up that much anymore. You said you do entertainment. So. Yes.
0: Yes, so that's how we met. So we were in a coaching group, and I do corporate entertainment. So the comedy, like I've hosted hundreds of comedy shows, which has helped me be very comfortable in front of people. Mm-hmm. And I know how to, because I have event planning background and marketing experience, I know how to control an audience, have it be fun, but then also guide the activities. So I went full-time um, back in um october 2019 quit my job sold my house decided to go into stand-up comedy production full-time six months later COVID hits all my shows are canceled so i started a new position called the fetal i stayed in that for a while (laughs) and then um thank you that's my big joke very ancient (laughs) and then started doing corporate entertainment so i started working with an incredible magician chris dugdale shout out chris dugdale he's amazing and I started working with a DJ, DJ Jeff with Soulful Sounds and a,
1: yeah. all
0: these entertainers that I started partnering with. I
1: need to join the squad because DJ Jeff. Oh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. So he did the, I referred him to um, the Goal Summit.
1: Yeah. And that's and how he you got to with Lauren. Yeah, I was there. You were the kickoff. And Don was there.
0: Yeah, he was great too. So, yeah, I started working with all these different entertainers to do corporate entertainment, variety shows, holiday parties when people couldn't be together. And then now that the world has opened back up and meetings are starting back up again, I want to do more in-person events as well. So I still do virtual, but with a heavy focus on in-person. All about connecting audiences, because I know what it's like to be a presentee employee. I know what it's like to be disengaged. I know what it's like to not feel connected with your team. And I know that that's a key source for getting people to stay at companies and being happy with their work. And also having a positive mental impact on yourself. So yes, a comedy show will help, in corporate, it's going to be more like connecting with your teammates, that you don't have to do these elaborate team-building sessions once a year. You can do them for 10 minutes, 30 minutes at your next business meeting to make them more fun so that people aren't looking at their watches waiting until happy hour. You know, they're actually having a good time. They're engaged. They're connected. And then that connection that you foster at this business meeting continues on into their working together. So they're happy. They're not getting burned out. The company is successful. Everybody wins. So that's where my passion is is to do that. So comedy helped me get there, but I don't even do stand-up that much anymore. I still do some shows but not as many.
1: You really, I mean sell your house. you really went all in.
0: Yeah, I did not know that was not normal because I like I said, I was never an entrepreneur. I really didn't have that many people in my life that were entrepreneurs. Um, and so I was I've, that's why we talked before about how many coaches we've had and You know, really just like, what's the secret? What's the secret? There is no secret. You just have to do it. But I didn't know that it wasn't normal to six months into something just decide that's you're going all in. Because really, I didn't even have a business plan, and I had a year's worth of income. I knew I had 12 months to figure it out. I had 12 months to either have these shows really work or find a better-paying job because I had gotten into a situation where I was not making as much money as I should have at that level of experience because I had worked in nonprofits and because I wasn't valuing myself so a lot of this is about self-worth that's also why I teach the comedy class because it's all about self-worth knowing that your voice is important on stage please have confidence please keep going and don't let one bad night of comedy keep you like it kept me for three years so keep going and persevere and do what you want to do and don't let yourself in my case which is what happened don't let yourself hold yourself back
1: But the critical thing with you is you went back.
0: Yeah, so that's another thing, and I talk about this in my keynote too. It's like, success isn't a straight line. It's not, it doesn't have to be a jumbled line. Sometimes it's a broken line. Sometimes it takes three years to pick that pencil back up and start the line again. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be in a straight order. And there's no syllabus, and that's one thing that I'm very frustrated about in life is there is no syllabus, there's no one telling you Yes, this is the right path to take, or that's the wrong path to take, or you need more credits in this area versus that.
1: Well, there are, but they're just the traditional ones. They don't work.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you know, in our situations, not, not no one should start a company. When you think about it, because that's going against the grain of society. Because you're learned, you're taught to get a job. Back in the day, get that job, keep that job for years until you retire. That's not the case anymore. People are changing jobs constantly they are seeking happiness more not just contentment but happiness
1: who is your like three in the morning call like who is your real bestie like let's
0: it's it's my guy we are best friends
1: before that
0: it'd be my friend Patty.
1: She like the guy
0: yeah she approves
1: good mm-hmm. okay yeah. that's good
0: yeah and she she's does.
1: not jealous of the time no
0: no i don't think so i don't think so it has been an adjustment though and this is where i'll get vulnerable with you um i have been single i mean i'm 42 and a half <laughs> i will i have been single for most of my life so um most of my friends are single so, it has definitely been an adjustment because I'll be like really excited wanting to talk about my new relationship, but I know what it's like as a single friend to hear about the relationship. I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear about that. So, who do I gush to? You know, that's been kind of a challenge. It's like, I just, I'll just throw, scroll through my front. Who can I tell now that I haven't already like gushed to a bunch?
1: A, le- a little bit like kids, kind of. Hmm. Not quite as bad as kids.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to relate to somebody talking about the PTA drama as much they're gonna wanna talk to their friends who can be like, oh, I know, or oh, that's so bad, or that's terrible, I don't get it. Yeah, it's relatable.
1: Yeah. Totally. Hmm. So, do you guys all go to... Oh,
0: sorry.
1: (laughs) Do you guys all go to, uh, do you go to something other than comedy? shows I mean what do you you and the new boyfriend
0: yeah um, so, enjoy so doing? Um, it's long distance so mm. um, dinner huh uh, you know like um, hit, when he has comedy shows sometimes I'll go down there and
1: what kind of restaurant
0: well i just moved to matthews north carolina from charlotte so uh-huh. we're kind of exploring the different restaurants in oh the area. they got some good ones so they have a super fun place moochie's which is right near where i live what kind of food uh it's like bar food oh, um but, but it's good bar food it's okay it's, yeah it's not bad we went there for karaoke night because he loves karaoke uh-huh so we've been there twice now and those were such fun nights so he's Do you
1: do you he's, do karaoke? So
0: he sings karaoke, and then he's he's actually sung one song both times, and managed to get me up on stage with him to sing a song too. What that's song? That's been fun. So the first night we sang "Love Shack," <laughs> and then the second night we sang Sonny and Shares." I got you, babe. And, and he's how many shots
1: song. do you have to do?
0: I had I did have a few beers. The first night <laughs> I definitely had a few beers. This this past time I just had a couple. I, you know I don't have to get drunk, but I didn't realize. Because I'd always go up with like a group of seven girls and sing karaoke. And, you know, you drown each other out. Nobody's like on, on this, you know, singing by yourself. But with these duets, you're singing a lot of this part, the song by yourself. And I'm like, what am I getting into? But it's really fun. He's more into it than I am, but I'm supportive and it's, it's fun.
1: Your clients now with the corporate entertainment thing, what is their need?
0: Their need is to help their audiences to connect with each other, to have fun at the meeting. Which to is still be employees. Taking, yes, yes, to still be taken seriously, but to have a good time. Like I've had companies uh, do uh, get up, I've had people from companies get up on stage wearing wigs and sunglasses and lip sync at 10 o'clock in the morning at a business meeting. And I've had them introducing themselves to people based on having little name tags that might say ham and eggs and cheese and they kept on the name tags all day and so they're doing team building around the room in 30-minute increments where it doesn't have to take all day but they're getting to know each other a lot of these people after COVID haven't met in person they're having these big conferences and division meetings and they've talked online but they haven't met in person you're sitting there right there at a table why not spend five minutes for everybody to tell who they are? Or you're at a fundraiser event um, working with Share Charlotte. They have a summit coming up, and they want to make sure everyone at the table knows what everybody else does. Or, um, like, everybody's going to stand up and give a really quick who they are. I've done speed networking, so you can know who, how you can help someone else and refine your message, your elevator pitch. So... Yeah, it's them connecting, but then also feeling um, like a part of the team, you know, so that after they leave this meeting, they'll have that shortcut abbreviated inside joke to talk with each other about. Or they'll have the pictures for their holiday party, you know, from the memories that they had of this business meeting that turned into being really fun. And when you laugh, you also remember better. That's like the Super Bowl commercials. You remember the funny ones. You know, humor helps you remember things. So when you're training, add some levity, gamify it, and it helps the information stick better.
1: If we got struck by lightning today and the only thing that survived was this little piece of digital audio, what is your legacy?
0: Oh my gosh, that's such a good, I'm looking at the sky, see if there's any clouds. That's a really good question. I think um, I wanna actually tell a story. And this this is not my own story, but I think it has so much power. Uh, It's the starfish story. So imagine there's the kid on a beach, the tide is going out, and he he or she picks up a starfish and puts it into the ocean, have you heard this story? And an adult comes walking down on the beach and sees the kid pick a starfish up and put it in the water and stops the kid and says, look at all the starfish on the beach. And you look and you see there's hundreds of starfish that have washed up on the beach. What are you doing? And the little kid says, "Well, I'm saving the starfish. Puts another starfish in the ocean." And the adult says, "Well, look at the beach. You can't possibly make a difference. There's too many, too many stranded." Kid picks up another starfish, puts it in the water, and points to it. Says, "I made a difference to that one." And I have literal goosebumps. Every look at this. Every time I tell this story, it means so much because you do not know what type of impact you can have on somebody else's life. You do not know what type of day they're having, what struggles they're having, if you can create a more positive moment, a gratitude moment, an appreciation, just a lift in their day, an extra smile that they wouldn't have had, you don't know what kind of ripple effect that can have in their life. And I want to be someone who truly helps other people connect and have more joy in their lives. And... If you can have that kind of impact, I strongly encourage also, one other side note, when you give someone a compliment, it re- triggers a reward part of the person's brain receiving the compliment, same thing happens to you. So when you make somebody else's day better, even with the simple compliment, you're also making yourself better, yourself feel better. So I think we just, we just need more joy and laughter and positivity in our lives and any way that you can help create that in other people will benefit everyone.
1: Lauren Ansley, thank you.
0: Thank you, Stuart. I appreciate you.
1: You can find Lauren Ansley all around. It's A-N-S-L-E-Y. A-N-S-L-E-Y. Lauren Ansley. And I had a lot of fun. And this conversation went on for twice as long as you heard because I asked her about all these kind of comics until she was completely sick of it. And we're not gonna use the podcast to talk about a whole bunch of other people. And I just got, you know, I just wanted to pick her brain about a whole bunch of people. So don't worry about that. Focus on her. She's amazing. Thank you, Lauren.
2: In Her Words is a production of the Queen City Podcast Network in cooperation with Balto Creative Media. Alison Andrews at Andrews Creative, Rachel Clapp-Miller and Roshanda Pratt are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins & Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Catherine Smith. That's me. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and take a moment to rate and review. It really helps others find us. If you love us, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com. Look for Man Listening, one word, no spaces a small investment makes a big difference in lifting up the voices of women
1: a huge shout out and thank you to everyone who has supported this podcast from the very beginning as we come up on three and one half years unbelievable as we close in on 180 continuous episodes never missing a week and never repeating an episode i'm very proud of that thank you
2: all Thank you for your support. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks so much.